Why do we exist? Were we created with a purpose? Or are we just here by chance? What are we to believe about life, faith, and worldview? Welcome to The Universe Next Door, focusing on answers to the questions we all consider. The Universe Next Door is supported by the C.S. Lewis Society, Trinity College of Florida, and supported by gifts from listeners just like you. Discover more resources and continue the conversation at apologetics.org. And now, your host, the research professor of Bible and theology at Trinity College of Florida, author and speaker, Dr. Tom Woodward. Welcome to The Universe Next Door, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, we have a very exciting topic to get into and a very uh, cool person to introduce, but before we do that, last week Dr. Woodward said that I promote apologetics.org more than everybody on the earth, and so I wanted to continue that by telling you to check out our website, apologetics.org, where you'll find all kinds of uh, videos, you'll find articles, you'll find a lot of really cool stuff, some cool links, um, and even some original material. So check out apologetics.org, it is the hub for apologetics, uh, and we have a very awesome guest today. It is John Lingelbach, professor at Grace Christian University up in Michigan. He teaches New Testament and has a, uh, a PhD in theology and apologetics. So John, first of all, thanks for being on here, and how are you? Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm doing really well today. How are you? I'm pretty good. Now, are you currently in Michigan, or are you down in Florida? No, I live in Florida now. I don't do cold weather, so no. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say I was born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts. In, in Michigan, I think, is even a little worse weather-wise. Yeah, I grew up in the north, too, but I'm here now, so it's good. Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely nice to be down it's here. It's about especially 79 degrees right now, so... Yeah, right. It, it's it's perfect. It's literally perfect. Um, it, well, thank you so much for being on here. We're really excited, oh, and, and you wanted to talk a little bit about the, the history of, of the actual person of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, especially at this time of the year when, when Christians typically celebrate uh, the birth of Jesus, uh, we have, uh, some people may have that, that you know, habit of just kind of thinking it's it's, it's a religious holiday, and, and it is that, but it's also uh, much more than that. It's actually the birth of an individual who actually existed. Uh, Jesus of Nazareth uh, was a real human being who walked the face of the earth, just like George Washington did, or Paul Revere, uh, or any of the people that we know from history. Uh, so in this, uh, this uh, podcast, in this broadcast, we're really talking about the, uh, the existence of the person of Jesus. I'm not going to get into uh, why we believe he rose again from the dead, or any of the tenets, really, of our Christian faith, other than the fact that he actually existed. Uh, he probably lived from about 3 B.C. until about A.D. 30. Uh, some people go one way or the other a few years, but the main thing to realize is that um, he actually did exist, and there are actually a small number of published scholars today who deny that Jesus of Nazareth actually even existed as a historical figure, and one of them has a Ph.D. in New Testament, as a matter of fact, uh, which is very wow. interesting. And uh, these individuals typically want to be Christians still, even though they believe that Jesus didn't really exist uh, as a person. They believe that uh, their faith is what really matters and that um, historically it's insignificant, which is, is rather remarkable. Um, but regardless of what your religious persuasion is, uh, whether you're an atheist all the way to, you know, if you're a Pentecostal, uh, to deny that Jesus was a real person is to actually deny good history. Uh, and, and what I mean by good history, uh, what is good history? So, uh, you know, whenever we do an investigation into like an accident scene or even a crime scene, we're actually doing historical analysis. Uh, and there's a couple of 
characteristics of really good history. First of all, your witnesses and your evidence are going to be earlier. So what that means is the closer to the event uh, are better ones than further away from the event. So if somebody actually, uh, you know, when you interview people immediately after uh, something transpired, that's good. Multiple independent witnesses. So we're looking at people who, uh, more than one person, who isn't getting information from somebody else who actually saw the event or experienced the event uh, is giving testimony to this. Uh, the other characteristic of really good history comes uh, is evidence which comes from disinterested uh, witnesses, people who really don't have a dog in the fight, who really don't care one way or the other, or even hostile witnesses, uh, witnesses who uh, have something actually to lose from telling the truth. Uh, and we see a couple examples of that, actually non-Christian examples, in, in the uh, very early years uh, when Christianity first began. Uh, some of those non-Christian examples I'll give you, uh, for one, uh, Pliny the Younger. Uh, he was a governor in Asia Minor for the Roman uh, Empire, and uh, he had to uh, write a letter to his boss, who was the Emperor Trajan, and uh, this was written about A.D. 112. Uh, so we're talking about six, 76 to 79 years after Jesus, okay? Uh, so his testimony would really be uh, kind of like if somebody today were talking about Pearl Harbor. Uh, the attack on Pearl Harbor uh, in December of 1941. So that's that's pretty close, actually, in, when we're talking about ancient history. Uh, in his uh, letter, he was talking about some Christians who had defected from the faith, and he had asked them, what was it that happened when you met with other Christians? And they told him that the Christians sing to Christ as if he were a god. And so this person, Christ, uh, in his writings, is assumed to be actually be an individual, and they sang to him as if he were a god, uh, and the implication there that he was actually a human being. Uh, and so that's pretty remarkable. When we look at that kind of evidence um, compared to, for example, evidence that we have of, of Tiberius, who was a Caesar at the time. He was a Roman emperor. He died around the same time as Jesus, and nobody denies his existence at all. Uh, but uh -huh. the earliest evidence for Tiberius is 78 years uh, after Tiberius. So compared to Jesus, it's you know it's uh, it's pretty close to the same uh, evidence uh, as far as early uh, attestation is concerned. Another wow. example would be Tacitus, uh, who was a historian. He wrote in about 115, and he wrote that Pontius Pilate had put Christ to death during the reign of Tiberius. Now, Tacitus was a historian, so his job was to do history and to do it right. So his credibility was on the line when he was talking about a person who was called Christ. And then, uh, you know, along with him was also Josephus, who was actually Jewish. Uh, and so he testified in about A.D. 93. He said uh, he mentioned one who was Jesus, who was called the Messiah. Uh, so he actually mentions him by his uh, proper name, Jesus uh, and that was uh, near 63 years after the crucifixion that he's talking about Jesus, who's called the Messiah. And there are also other rabbinic sources uh, that, you know, obviously would not be friendly to Christianity that talk about the existence of the person Jesus. Um, if we compare this, for example, to Alexander the Great, uh, who was the Greek emperor, uh, the earliest evidence that we have for Alexander the Great is from the first century B.C., Okay. Wow. Now, he died in June of 323, so that's a gap of about 223 years. It's three and a half times more than that of Jesus of Nazareth. So if you have Alexander the Great dying in 323, and the earliest evidence we have of his existence is over 200 years later, um, 
and you know, nobody really doubts the existence of Alexander the Great. So it's that's pretty interesting as well. Uh, it it really is, and I'm just thinking why why do you think that there are many people who don't apply that same kind of historical discipline um, to Jesus of Nazareth compared to any other figure that we you know we would never say that that uh, Julius Caesar, for example, didn't exist that you'd be laughed at. Yeah, I, it's hard. I, I, you know, I can't really speak to their motives, but I would venture uh, that it comes possibly from two different areas. First of all, there's always the the possibility that they uh, they don't want to face up to the claims of 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 Jesus of Nazareth and the things that he requires of their life, uh, which is kind of hard if you actually are uh, wanting to remain a Christian and call yourself a Christian. And and I think the second area may be because they've really bought into uh, the uh, modernism and, and the idea that comes with the fact that okay, modernism says that you know we can evaluate everything through uh, evidence and reason, and whereas we do learn from evidence and reason, um, it's not the only way that we learn about things. And so what happens is they end up doing a reverse logic on it, and they uh, end up committing a logical fallacy. Uh, and that's the only thing I can think of. Uh, there are actually a lot of individuals uh, recently who have actually changed because they've actually studied it with a great, greater rigor and they've applied a greater uh, historical methodology to it, which enables them to be able to um, to be able to come to the conclusion that he actually did exist. And again, wow. there's not that many people who deny his existence, but they're published out there. And so other people who read it go, "Oh, this is a fairy tale," and you know. To them, it's it's the equivalent of, of saying that the tooth fairy existed. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, well, that's actually a really cool testimony of people who uh, who were denying the physical existence of Christ would change their mind, especially if if like you said, you don't want to speak to anyone's motive, but especially if they did have um, sort of an anti-religious motive or an anti-Christian motive, and then they say, you know what, the his the, the history is just too strong, the evidence is. It's too powerful. Yeah, it is kind of a mystery why why people would remain, um, you know, calling themselves historians and still want to deny the existence of Jesus of Nazareth. It's it's pretty mind boggling, and it is actually mind boggling to those who who would call themselves agnostic or atheists or deists. It's even they scratch their heads and wonder how, you know, uh, an example would be uh, there's a, a scholar, a critical scholar, New Testament scholar named Bart Ehrman, who, um, you know, he. Probably, I would characterize uh, Dr. Ehrman as a deist. He, be I believe, he thinks God existed, but he denies miracles. Um, so no supernaturalism. But he actually wrote a book called "Does Jesus Did Jesus Exist?" And he uh, has a very good uh, argument on the existence of Jesus. And he would pretty much be characterized as somebody who is a man who doesn't necessarily believe uh, in the supernatural. Oh wow, yeah, and I'm familiar with Bart Ehrman, and I actually was gonna was gonna bring him up because I was gonna ask you, what do you say to, um, let's say, a, a devout Christian listener who wants to defend the faith, uh, but they look at these people like Bart Ehrman, for example, who, you know, a, a lot of times Christians will say, if you just read the Bible, you'll see, you know, X, Y, and Z, but then they point out someone like like Bart Ehrman, who's who's a brilliant. Um, a very intelligent man, and in my opinion, I think he twists a lot of, of scripture. Uh, I've seen a lot of his talks in which I, I kind of left with that conclusion, but what do you say to, to someone who wants to defend the faith and thinks, well, this person who's so intelligent and knows the Bible so much better than me doesn't think Jesus exists? Yeah, I think w one of the dangers we run into is when we talk about individuals uh, or people um, and their credentials, and what we really need to do is focus on the actual arguments that they're making themselves. So, um, 
you know, I could be, uh, you know, well, that's one of the reasons why a lot of people will, will um, shy away from evangelical scholars because they say, oh, well, they're already biased. Well, just listen to their argument. You know, don't judge them based on your preconceived notions of what they're like. And so with with uh, Professor Ehrman, uh, what I would encourage people to do is they read him, actually look at the arguments, find out where he contradicts himself. He'll talk about mm-hmm. how history is important. And there's also a lot of emotionalism in some of his more popular works. Uh, he's, you know, he'll say things like find out the real story about Jesus, find out the real story about the New Testament. And when you actually dig into the facts um, a lot of it is not really cogent. So, right, and I actually you, you may be familiar with a um, a teacher named Mike Winger. He has a big YouTube channel, but I just wanted to suggest to anyone listening that he he did a really good video on Bart Ehrman and kind of broke down a lot of things. Like you were just pointing out um, contradictions, and and I think that was a really important point that you just made that we separate the argument from the person, and that can actually be a good thing in discussions because then when you're kind of pointing out well, this argument fails at this place and that place, you're not necessarily attacking the person in the discussion. Absolutely. And and that's good scholarship will look at their arguments and not at their uh, at the person's background, where they went to school, uh, or their uh, tradition, their Christian tradition. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I don't want to get you too off track. What do you think is some of the, uh, the more powerful evidence of, of Jesus of Nazareth's existence? Uh, I think, uh, so along with the non-Christian examples, we obviously have the New Testament. And um, the New Testament, uh, we'll talk about the New Testament here as history, not as a religious book. Uh, and, and this is one of the things that uh, scholars like uh, Dr. Ehrman uh, will embrace, uh, is that there are historical parts of the New Testament. And so, for example, um, the, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, um, which I uh, personally believe uh, is really the first gospel that was written. Uh, I don't think it was written in its entire form that we have now. I think that there was... Uh, it was part of it was written, uh, and so any part of it that isn't that isn't uh, similar or uh, the same as Mark, for example, would be very early, and so uh, probably Jewish, uh, written in uh, Hebrew, uh, and it was written probably around AD 60 to 64, uh, and so obviously we have evidence of Jesus then, uh, and you know Matthew is very, um, you know, he would he would have been considered. Um, somebody who's not necessarily your best spokesperson for uh, for for Christianity or for Judaism. Uh, but, you know, once again, the Gospel of Matthew testifies to the existence. Also, even, um, so w- when you talk about the, uh, the, we could even talk about one of the apocryphal Gospels, the, the Gnostic, uh, arguably the, Gnost- the Gnostic Gospel of Thomas, there's debate as to whether it's Gnostic or not. But the Gospel of Thomas, we're not sure exactly when it was written. It could have been written during the first century. Uh, but either way, whether it was written in the first century or second century, and whether or not you believe it should be um, authoritative in your life or not, uh, that writer obviously testifies to the existence of Jesus, so we have very early testimony there. Uh, mm-hmm. Mark, Gospel of Mark, around A.D. 65. Uh, Luke, who was the only non-Jewish author in the Bible, uh, his both uh, Luke and the book of Acts are basically apologetic works defending uh, the historicity of Jesus. He states as much in his uh, in the incipits of both of those texts. Um, Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul. 1 Corinthians is one of the four uh, letters of Paul that is absolutely not disputed by any New Testament scholars as being authentically Pauline. Uh, and so 1 Corinthians 15, likely written around A.D. 55. And Paul Paul himself had been hostile. 
uh, to Jesus of Nazareth and the sect of the Nazarenes. Uh, and that was written 15 years later, and 1 Corinthians 15 testifies to the existence of Jesus, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Uh, and also Paul lists several witnesses, uh, and uh, so that's pretty remarkable as far as history is concerned. Historians really agree um, that there are some core facts about Jesus of Nazareth that actually took place. So he was baptized by John. Uh, he had a reputation as a miracle worker and an exorcist. Uh, he taught uh, in and around the Sea of Galilee. He attracted a following, and that he died in Jerusalem at the hand of Pilate by crucifixion. So we have good evidence that uh, Jesus of Nazareth existed and that he was crucified. Um, so actually, it's, it's more reasonable to believe uh, in the historical Jesus than to not believe. So when you look at mm -hmm. evidence, you want to look at, uh, you know, what is more reasonable? So can we believe in him beyond a reasonable doubt? And yes, we can. Uh, you know, unless you deny the major uh, standards that all historians use to establish the reality of past events, you really have to uh, agree that Jesus of Nazareth existed. He was a real man walking around, and he died, and that's really the reality of Christmas. Wow. And, and you know, I'm sure that we've probably all met someone, or at least are familiar um, with somebody who may say, you know, I think Jesus existed as a person, but that God stuff is silly. But of course, in, th in this episode, your focus that you're trying to get across um, to the listeners is that Jesus did exist. Um, and those who claim to be Christians, especially, who deny the physical existence of Jesus, who either think he was a spirit, who think he was a metaphor, uh, or, or, you know, fill in the blank, it's so important to understand that he was not only truly God, but he was truly and in, in physically man. He didn't just, you know, commandeer a human body. He could eat, he could uh, get tired, you know, he died on a cross, so he was a physical, literal human being. Right, and I think, it, I think it's safe to say that if you don't believe uh, that he was a physical human being, then uh, why are you even celebrating Christmas at all? Um, what is what is it? What is the point of Christmas? Because you know, if we Christmas is you know supposedly the birthday of somebody, just like we have you know George Washington's birthday or uh, Abraham Lincoln's birthday, uh, we have Jesus' birthday. Uh, and uh, if he didn't actually exist, then why why are you doing the things that you're doing? All the things, all the extra work and effort and time that's spent at Christmas, uh, if he's not real. Uh, then you know, and then of course the follow-on to that would be, you know, if he is real, uh, what did he say, and what did he want, uh, and who you know who was he, and what is his significance to us as human beings? Now, speaking of Christmas, um, I know there's a lot of different theories on this, and a lot of people say um, that Jesus Christ was not born in December, or maybe he was born in the fall, or so on and so forth. Uh, but do you have any sort of opinion on when he may have been uh, born, just out of curiosity? No, I don't. Um, as a matter of fact, I don't. I don't think it really matters that much. Um, I, th I think really the big issue is uh, the fact that he was born. Um, and when we talk about that type of question, it's a great question. Uh, and the reason I think it's a great question is because it speaks to the the fact that as Christians, uh, both uh, you know, uh, Christians who are scholars and those who are not scholars are really interested in precision. Uh, especially there's a debate about whether Jesus died in 30 or 33. Um, you know, it, when we're talking about people like Alexander the Great or some other ancient figures, we don't really care to be quite that precise um, because, uh, you know, scholars don't really care about that so much. But Christians, as Christians who are arguing for the person of Jesus of Nazareth, we can be 
uh, somewhat precise. And so what happens is we sometimes get hung up on those specific dates because of all the ancient figures, uh, of all the ancient people, uh, we probably have the best attestation for him than we have of any other person from ancient history as far as uh, you know, the earliest sources for his existence, uh, which is pretty remarkable. So the fact that those questions come up is remarkable to me. Yeah, I, I would agree 100%. And earlier you had said something, um, an example you used was Palm uh, Pearl Harbor when you were talking about some of the non-Christian writers or the non-biblical writers. And I was thinking with some of these New Testament books, like Galatians, for example, or you'd mentioned 1 Corinthians, um, a modern example is almost like some of those books were written, if it were today, within the span of time that Tom Brady has been playing football in the NFL. Oh, that's a good point. And, and, yeah. and we don't have, uh, you know, when you look at other historical sources, as you'd said, we don't have that for other people. Um, they, they weren't that close together and that accurate. And so it, it's so incredible that we have sources like this from just a couple decades uh, linking to Jesus Christ directly and, and in very great detail. Yeah, I like to use the example of Tiberius because uh, Tiberius Caesar, because he was actually a contemporary of Jesus. And so you talk about there. There are basically three main scholars who are experts on Tiberius, and I, their names escape me right now. But you know, once again, they're dependent upon Tacitus. They're dependent upon Suetonius and also um, Cassius Dio for their information. And we're talking, you know, about the same amount of time or greater um, after uh, Tiberius. Uh, so it's very interesting to notice how those scholars place stock in those sources, and uh, some New Testament scholars don't place stock in, in better sources, to be honest with you. Right, and we've been talking, of course, about the um, the humanity of Jesus Christ, that he was a literal, physical human being, um, that he was born on the earth as a person. He wasn't a metaphor. He wasn't simply a spirit. Um, both scripture and history make that clear. Now, someone we like to talk about an awful lot is C.S. Lewis. Um, he's one of our our favorite authors. I think he's one of the probably the most influential author of my life outside of you know obviously anyone in scripture. Um, but what do you think of the famous argument he put together for those saying you know Jesus existed, but I think he was just a good moral teacher, and he kind of uh, boiled that down to you have to decide that Jesus was either a liar because he claimed to be God. A good teacher doesn't just claim to be God. So he was either a liar, he was a lunatic, or a crazy man, or he actually was Lord. Uh, what do you think of that argument? Yeah, I think I, I think it's a good argument because it, it kind of forces you into um, uh, a category. So it, it actually serves as a trilemma, um, which basically, you, you know, you're kind of, you have to make up your mind because it's, it's going to be either one or the other. Um, it can't be, uh, you know, all, all three, can't be two of them, and it's going to have an impact on your life as a result of that. So you have, it forces you to make a decision, which I think is really important, um, because like uh, I said earlier, there are people who claim to be Christians who um, who have a, have a religiosity to them, but they deny uh, not only, you know, the things that Jesus said, but the fact that he existed. And so when you talk about uh, Lord, liar, and lunatic, uh, that's actually a really good question to ask somebody. Um, I'm not sure of anybody who's uh, been able to counter Lewis uh, on that and, and deny that that's a really good argument to make. Yeah, I would agree. I, I, I've used it a lot of times and I think it's, and it, it, it originated before him, but he's kind of the one who thrust it into the, uh, to the spotlight. And it, we're just about out of time, but you wrote a book. What is the name of that book? So we could tell everyone to go get it. All right. So my book is called, uh, it's called The Date of the Moratorian Fragment. 
Uh, and so basically, uh, it's my dissertation in a book form. And so what I did was, uh, the Moratorian Fragment is actually a catalog of New Testament books, and there's a debate as to whether it was written in the 2nd century or the 4th century. Uh, and so I use a methodology known as inference of the best explanation to come up with the answer. And the answer I came up with was it was written in the 2nd century. Uh, and so there's, and I talk about the significance of that in the book, um, in case anybody's wondering. <laughs> Awesome, and that book can be found on Amazon, so go get it. John Lingelbach, thank you again so much for being here, and thank you for listening to The Universe Next Door. You've been listening to The Universe Next Door with Dr. Tom Woodward, sponsored by the C.S. Lewis Society and Trinity College of Florida, and supported through the gifts of listeners just like you. To gather resources, continue the conversation, and support The Universe Next Door with your financial gifts, go to apologetics.org. That's apologetics.org. And join us again next time as we continue to seek the truth about life, faith, and worldview in The Universe Next Door.